I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 7th of February 2013. Newcomers, I suggest you look and make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll find lots of audios where I tied the big system together, at least the one that openly emerged at the beginning of the 20th century under the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the groups that that previously had made up different societies that came together. Actually, they're all linked together. There's a lot in common. And uh, the rich men in the world, basically, who lent to nations, uh, got together, formed a club, and took over all media. In other countries, they called the Council on Foreign Relations. And uh, they also took over politics. They've been, they've been putting their old guys into, into bureaucratic positions for many, many years, uh, and the staff with them. And they also put in your prime ministers and presidents and their own Historian, their own personal historian, because they have their own version of history since they make history. For those who don't understand it, history is directed. And so they have their own historian, and Carol Quigley was their historian. And she gives you some inklings in the Anglo-American establishment, an excellent book to read, where he talks about the setting up of the system in the States and in the UK, or London, I should say, to go ahead, take over the world's resources, cause world wars too, by the way and get people to their knees until they'd accept a form of world governments and, and, and a scientific and uh, technique of, uh, or, or you might even call it a tyranny, uh, that would run over the lives of everyone. That's where you are today, for those who don't quite get it. That's why, too, he talked about uh, a new feudalistic system where the CEOs would be the new warlords and overlords of whole regions of the earth. CEOs of big international corporations. It's already happened. So help yourself to the audios and to see where it's all to go. And also, um, you'll get transcripts as well from all the sites listed at cuttingthroughmedics.com, and you can get transcripts in other languages for print-up if you go into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu. And also, remember, you've got to support me because I don't get backed by anybody. I could. I could sit and, and pester you with ads all day long and get well paid for it, but I don't. I depend upon you, the listeners, to support me, buy the books and discs, and, and donate uh, cutting through the com. Remember, from, from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks to do so, and you can still use international postal money orders from your post office, or send cash, or use PayPal. Across the world, you've got Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal, and straight donations are really seriously welcome. But really, as I say, if you don't understand the past, you'll never understand the present, and you'll never understand where it's all supposed to go. And once you understand it, you expect what's to happen next. You know the whole list. You know what they have to do to bring the rest of it in. And you live your life watching it all happen. Life is scripted. The big things in life are scripted. It was scripted during your parents' day and your grandparents too. They didn't know either that this is a big, big world plan. And, of course, the, the big boys at the top always give you your leaders. They give you the leaders for the communist side. They give you the leaders for the capitalist side because it's all run by the capitalists at the top in the first place. And they have their own agenda for their own people. And they have another agenda for all the rest of you. 
And uh, believe you me, they're well underway with it too. They use massive neuroscientific techniques and psychological techniques on the general public. So easy today with mass communication, entertainment and so on. That's very hypnotic. And also they use, they already control the school systems for indoctrination. You must get the children young. Lenin said it, Stalin said it, and you get them very, very young for the initial indoctrination. And you can literally give them a completely different reality from their parents, even if there's not that many years between their parents and themselves, actually. That's how fast it is today. It's very easy to do. And so you're living through the big, big changes at the age of transition, they call it. And this is a century for change. That's why change was supposedly to be good. And he never explained, Obama never explained what they meant by that. But academia knew for since the last century what it was it's all to be done this century or finished off back with more after this hi folks we're back cutting through the matrix now I've talked ad nauseum about the, the changes and the reasons for the changes and so on and how you're living in a world where you can find no logic if you're just an average ordinary person you can find no logic to the big decisions that are made at the top nor you can find logic to even same-sex marriage for, that kind of, for, for an instance it's so obvious to most folk that things are getting very bizarre but it's only bizarre because you understand that the big boys who, again, set up the global banking system and decided to take over the whole planet, who own the media, who run all politics, who run the law systems, who run entertainment systems, they, they said they'd have to take down your whole, everybody's system, all European countries' systems would be taken down and ground into the dust. Any memory of how it was would be destroyed. And this is, a, this is a simple reason for it. That then the dominant minority can then dominate you, you understand, and keep their own creed. So that's what you're living through, for those who don't quite understand it. And I've talked a lot about the, the Frankfurt School and many other ones connected with uh, the same people who were set out there with a mission to help bring this into play by taking over. They wrote about it quite so openly, about taking over uh, the entertainment industry and so on, and how to use the techniques against the public who would be completely unaware that there's a war on their minds taking place. It's all happened. And again, too, the, these, these same people flooded in uh, Eastern European communists into the U.S. during the 30s especially, who, who'd already taken part in revolutions across uh, Europe. And they had records, and they were allowed into the Americas, and they started to the same old stuff there. A lot of them also came in uh, claiming they were, they were actually professors, and a certain community within the U.S. stood up for them and said they were, and gave a, a kind of reputable community, you might say. And they went straight into university and began to teach under various guises, generally human studies and social sciences. They were teaching communism and the big, big changes to come. And that's where we are in the mess we're in today. So things are naturally bizarre because it's a war. Most folk didn't know they were going through a war. They always think of wars as being over there, and they think of hard wars. They don't think of other techniques in warfare. There's many forms of warfare. You have economic warfare. Big boys at the top use that all the time. They use America or Britain or whatever country is handy uh, to use their hard wars when necessary. But economic warfare is awfully important for them because eventually, since you've run the legal system too, they simply pass laws and alter everything and give you massive fines, fees and all the rest of it until you're broke. 
And they can, they can devalue your cash currency anytime they want to, anytime they want to, which they do too. Uh, so it's a definite deliberate war going on. And these guys at the top, even in the banking side of it, are so secretive, they don't tell you what they're up to. And not, not only that, I mean, why on earth is there a, sing, a little clique of people who all know each other uh, um, get into the, take over the world's money supply in the first place? No one asks that simple, obvious question. Some have in the past and either have been assassinated or almost assassinated, you know, even presidents. But that's the power of it, is money at the top. And then you have academia, as I say, they flood academia and they teach the new moralities to destroy the old moralities. Then they have no enemies left to dominate you. And things seem illogical to the general population, as I say, who don't even know there's a war going on. In fact, their new culture they've already adapted into is a foreign culture to, to what it's supposed to be or what it was completely. Remember, cultures evolve over a long period of time in countries that stay countries. And they evolve to protect the people there. That's how it works. At one time, you didn't need many policemen at all. The people all knew the simple rules, basic rules. And they policed themselves. They all knew it. And whatever religion you're given to in those countries also bolsters it too. It bolsters uh, the identity of the people and the individual in relation to the rest. So they feel healthy, got a healthy mindset. And they know uh, what not to do that causes trouble within society. Once that's destroyed, you have rapes, you have abortions, you have a massive industry living off fetal tissue, for goodness sake. And, and it just goes on and on and on. And then you have massive, uh, again, jobs for certain people to get into that love it, law systems, to deal with the fallout and the chaos. And then below that, you have all the agencies they also get into and run uh, to deal with the chaos over the general public. And then you're into really what socialism is all about. And socialism, remember, is just just a slow version of communism. That's what Stalin said, Khrushchev too. They said that socialism, uh, it's communism with socialism in a hurry. That's all. It was in a hurry. So here's an example of the craziness that you see all the time. And it makes no sense to the general population. It says, a victim of a barrister, this is in England, it's a lawyer, a victim of a lawyer who was jailed for sexually abusing boys, spoke of his anger that the European Court of Human Rights had awarded his abuser more than £5,000 in compensation and costs. David Meek waived his rights to anonymity to protest over the money received by his abuser, Rupert Massey, who had complained that the case against him took too long to come to court. It took two years, finally. Oxford-educated Massey, 59, who practiced as a a barrister or lawyer in Dorset, was jailed in 1999 for six years for assaults on boys in the 1970s through the 1980s. However, he's received a payout of 5000 £496 after the European court found he had suffered distress and frustration because of the unreasonable length of proceedings against him. So it says Massey befriended Mr. Meek, who was eight years old at the time, and two other boys as he played on the beach in Branksom, Dorset. The lawyer, who is now out of jail, lured the children to his home where he sexually abused them. He was arrested in 95 after one of the children complained to the police. He was charged in 97, and in 1999 he was convicted of 16 offences of indecent assault against the three boys. That's only the three boys. There's been many more, obviously. Anyway, there you go. So the abuser gets 
payments from the taxpayer, of course, as who pays these compensation things. Uh, and um, because we had to wait too long to get, you know, put in prison and all that and go through this trial. And this is to change your, your, your opinion of everything. I mean, you already have opinions given to you on things. And when the mob get their cue, you understand there's cues. The, the cues are set into your mind, into your brain by neuroscientists and psychologists today. And there's certain trigger words that cue you immediately into a Pavlovian response. You either shout hate towards whatever you're taught to shout hate at, or you, 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 you just prattle off the, the words that have been instilled in your brain. And, uh, or else you'll all be gushing over someone who you shouldn't be gushing over that does odd things with parts of their body. You know, and that's how you've been trained. And if you ever catch on, if you've really been indoctrinated and you start to catch on and question your indoctrination, you'll feel guilty. And your default position, that's what they call it up there, will, will kick in and you'll write back to your initial default position where, where you will feel guilty and you'll stop thinking about it again. That's how precise everything is today. And they put it in movies and everything else just to reinforce it. Now, also too, of course, part of the, up until the 1960s, there was no such thing as multiculturalism. It was a big push. It happened at once. It was all the multicultural agenda was was in America, for instance. The Rockefeller brothers fund all of the propaganda, all of the NGOs, and so on to to push for multiculturalism. But they fund many other foundations in front of them by by the billions. Uh, to, to push this. Up until then, into the 70s even, you became part of the country you emigrated into. And that was the same with Britain and any other country. Otherwise, the initial people there would get swamped. And that destroys the culture, which is the intention of what's happening today. And during the, the 60s and 70s, suddenly they reversed it all and says, oh, you're coming in in vast numbers and just keep your culture now. This is to cause the problems that you have today. This is intentional. Destroy the dominant culture because they want to. The dominant culture came from Europe, basically. You see, they're all European. And a certain group had a hatred for this culture and its religion for an awful long time down through history because they wouldn't let them get dominated by this, this new bunch coming in. So in order to do a war, you, you simply alter the society. Then you dominate them. That's happened. But you also do it with mass immigration at one time. So much they don't have to change uh, and adapt into your culture. Assimilation, it was called. As I say, there's, there's lots of articles out there. If you go into the Rockefeller Brothers uh, Foundation, and you'll see all of the groups that they fund. It's just staggering what they fund. And that they were the, one of the prime uh, foundations in America. There's many more in America, too, who are all connected and the same in Britain and every other country in the world. But what, what's ironical here is just tonight, I'm going to put up something, that, that there was a protest in, in the States recently about, uh, and, and it was protesters who were really just ticked off at the massive immig- illegal immigration coming into America, which again is part of a policy, remember. And, and had to, had to, it was rather ironical because you see a, a Native American having his say on it 
It's quite amazing. He says, he says to all the protesters and everybody else around him, he says, you're all illegal immigrants, he says. He says, we didn't ask you here. So he had a point there. But the fact is, I'll put it up tonight, this link anyway, just to let you see. But the thing is, uh, the dominant uh, culture has to be destroyed in order to be dominated by a new dominant minority. Now, the thing is, too, it's beautiful when you're funded as an NGO uh, or a leader of NGOs by the big foundations to push for some big changes that the taxpayers are going to end up paying for, big big money like carbon credits and so on, and change their whole ways of life. And you always, if you dig hard enough, you'll find out that the same ones that lead it um, profit from it. And... I've mentioned too, it's like crying wolf, and you've already decided you're going to take over the pelt industry for the fur. You know what I'm saying? But I'll read some of this on Maury Strong and Al Gore when I come back after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking about the big scams that go on massive scams and they are massive scams, aren't they? And this one is about carbon credits carbon credits and all the cons that go with it Now it says here that the creators of carbon's credit scheme are cashing in on it Now Maury Strong was picked up by Rockefeller himself, old David Rockefeller himself and uh, pushed to the top first to give him a uh, made him a manager of oil fields and so on to get a feel of how it is to run all the, the big cons at the top and then they moved him into the into the environmental movements stream he's the guy who brought you the Earth Summits 1 and 2 and so on and he's treated like royalty and, and, and he's he's a member of international revolutionaries, uh, revolutionaries. His, I think it was his aunt and his cousin were both revolutionaries too one of them is buried uh, next to Mao Zedong's grave, and, and it says on the gravestone that she was the main advisor to him. And so he's still in the revolution business. And you understand, most of the revolutions uh, are cultural, uh, and uh, and there's many other like fashion, sexual, etc. These are all revolutions that were planned by the same people that Strong and the rest of them uh, all work for. Now it says, there's an elephant in global warming's living room that few in the mainstream media want to talk about. The creators of the carbon credit scheme are the ones cashing in on it. The two cherub-like choir boys singing loudest in the holier-than-now global warming cathedral are Maurice Strong and Al Gore. This is from 2007, by the way. This duo has done, I think I read it even then, has done more than anyone else to advance the alarmism of man-made global warming. With little media monitoring, both Strong and Gore cashing in on the lucrative cottage industry known as man-made global warming. Strong is on the board of directors of the Chicago Climate Exchange, which he appeared described as the world's first and North America's only legally binding greenhouse gas emission registry reduction system for emission sources and offset projects in North America and Brazil. That's going to be breaking a lot of cash, eh? Gore buys his carbon offsets from himself. The Generation Investment Management, LLP, an independent private-owned managed partnership established in 2004 with offices in London and Washington, D.C., of which he's both chairman and founding partner. To hear the Saving the Earth sing-song of this dynamic duo, even the feather-like petals of cherry blossoms in Washington leave a bigger carbon footprint. 
It's a strange global warming partnership that Strong and Gore have, but it's one that's working. Strong is a silent partner, a man whose name often draws a blank in the Washington cocktail circuit. Even though a former Secretary General of the 1992 United Nations Conference on Environment and Development, the much-hyped Rio Air Summit, and Under Secretary General of the United Nations in the days of a beleaguered Kofi Annan, the Canadian-born Strong is little known in the United States. That's because he spends most of his time in China, where he works to make the communist country the world's next superpower. It's true enough the UN sent him there. The nondescript strong nonetheless is a big cheese in the world of climate change and is one of the main architects of the coming Eurasian Kyoto Protocol, which was all done since. Gore is a glitzy, media-proof frontman in the partnership, the flashing neon lights in the global stage, warning the masses of the end of the earth as we know it, and Hollywood's poster boy for greening the silver screen. The skeptics of man-made global warming believe that Gore and Strong have made climate change the new religion, and that's what it has become. Remember, too, that uh, they said they'd make it the new religion, and and you'll find that uh, Gorbachev even mentioned that, too. Uh, In one of his books, he says, when he was still working as the the president of the USSR at the time, he actually said then, uh, Gorbachev, that uh, we we must make a, a new religion. He says, I myself am an atheist, but we must create a new religion for the people. And it must be based on a form of earth worship, you see. And so it says climate change is not the first religion both uh, parties have tried to make stick. Along with former Soviet Union, it actually mentions Michael Gorbachev here, strong currently president of the Earth Council, has been boasting of replacing the Ten Commandments with the Earth Charter, the golden rule for how the masses should treat the environment. Gore, who was given sermons at the United Nations-sponsored Cathedral of St. John, the Divine Church in New York City, as a promoter of the religion known as Gaia. The two environmental gurus also share belief in, in radical Malthusian population reduction. According to them, too many people, particularly in the U.S., are polluting the planet, emitting excessive freon through their refrigerators and jacking up the air conditioning. But the conduct of Al Gore and Maurice Strong in the capitalist world is one for the books. It's a side of them that may have remained unknown had it not been for the investigative talent of it was actually the Executive Intelligence Review that came out with with some of the more details, tawdry details. The tawdry tale of the top two global warming gurus in the business world goes all the way back to Earth Day, April 17th, 1985 when the future author of An Inconvenient Truth travelled to Fall River, Massachusetts to deliver a green sermon at the headquarters of Molten Metal Technology. And it says, MMTI was a firm that proclaimed to have invented a process for recycling metals from waste. Gore praised the Molten Metal firm as a pioneer in the kind of innovative technology that can save the environment and make money for investors at the same time. They left a few facts out of the speech that day. First, the firm was run by Strong and a group of Gore intimates. So there you are. You know, see how his old chronology? They, they own the firm, including Peter Knight, the firm's registered lobbyist, and Gore's former top Senate aide, wrote the EIR. Second, the company had received more than $25 million in U.S. Department of Energy Research and Development grants. That's all they live on, you see. But had failed to prove that the technology worked on a commercial scale. The company would go on to receive another $8 million in federal taxpayers' cash at that point its only source of revenue. And then it goes on and on with the stairs, shares, the, the stock value and all the rest of it in carbon. Con after con, folks. You run by conology. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix talking about the big system and how it's all run by conology and how the big boys at the top always fleece the public via their governments generally to get big cash moving towards them and so on. And you're, you're living in a, a, under tyrannies today. For those who don't understand it, you've, you've adapted and adapted and adapted into tyrannies. And see, it was always d- decided this, this was the way it would go because the Club of Rome is one of the main think tanks for the United Nations and back in the 70s, they mentioned that democracy wouldn't work. Now, they would always use democracy for all the fools that back up all the wars and all the rest of it. Oh, we're going to liberate these countries. Well, read your history before you think about liberating anybody. Maybe liberate yourself first. But the fact is, this is the con that they used. But they said that democracy wouldn't work because there was too many factions opposing each other. And they couldn't get the big agenda through. See, they've got their own agenda. It's like a business plan. With the timetables on it. With many parts they fulfill under in, in certain times, and democracy gets in the way. But they keep the, the, the farce going of democracy to keep you dumb and stupid. But also, too, the European Parliament, for instance, this big EU conglomerate, this monstrosity, this new Soviet Union, that nobody wanted except, again, the big boys at the top that run, run all the money, a very old plan that they had for, for that, because Karl Marx talked about it to United Europe, United Americas uh, and Pacific Rim uh, conglomerate, there'd be three main trading blocks he talked about in the 1800s. He said eventually it'd be ruled by a world government. And, uh, of course, he was working for the same boys, too, who put him up in London and financed him, because he was a hack journalist, not a very good one at that. But anyway, it says the, U- the European Parliament, the Soviet Union, is to spend almost £2 million on press monitoring and trolling Eurosceptic debates. Now, again, remember, terminology is awfully important because it, you can get either a positive or a negative image in your mind through the words they use. Eurosceptics, you know. So, debates on the Internet for trolls, with whom to debate in the run-up and during Euro elections next year, amid fears that hostility to the EU is growing. Then they actually show you that the, the, the lit-up sign, the Euro sign, in front of the headquarters of the European Central Bank. Very important. It says the Daily Telegraph has seen confidential suspend, uh, spending proposals and internal documents planning on unprecedented propaganda blitz ahead of and during European elections in June 2014. Key to a new strategy will be public opinion monitoring tools to identify at an early stage whether debates of political nature amongst followers on social media and blogs have the potential to attract media and citizens' interests. In other words, they're going to cover every angle to make sure that you get a a thorough, well-funded indoctrination to be all pro-Europe. Because they'll use the fear thing too. If you you pull out of Europe, you'll be left behind. How many times have we heard all this nonsense as they bail out each other forever and ever and ever? But they also remember the article I mentioned a few days ago too. The EU is now going to authorize and put out its own journalists there with stamped approval to, to, to give us good propaganda on behalf of the EU. And they're also, uh, they've also made and passed laws to be, be able to go into any server and shut it down, internet servers, if not towing the line. It's really a, a tyranny, folks. It's very, very simple. Anyway, it says here that um, spending on qualitative media analysis is to increase by 1.7 million 
£1,000,000. And while most of the money is to be found in existing budgets, an additional £787,000 will need to be raised next year, despite calls for EU spending to reflect national austerity. <laughs> what a joke that is. You've seen how much they, they, they put down in their expense accounts for their evening meals. Anyway, the whole idea, as I say, is to monitor the public's mood and find ways to either scare them into going along with it and voting pro-Europe uh, or, or finding some other way to do it. That's what it's all about. And also, too, it means hacking everybody's emails and so on, uh, opponents of it. They might stand up against them and give a good speech so they'll know what they're going to say and have all the, the answers worked out in advance. This all goes on, you know, in the real world. This is what really, really goes on in the real world. Also, night two, I want to man- mention that um, you'll find with... Uh, uh, remember the whole push, again, for the greening agenda and all the panic they caused. They always panic the general population when they want money off you. And they said that America and all the other countries should be self-sufficient in power. That was a big, big one. And uh, and so when they came up with fracking, everybody thought, oh, that's an awful thing, this fracking, where they've got air subsidence, you've got poisons in the, in the water supplies, all that kind of stuff. But if it's to save us all in the future, and it'll go on, I mean, America or Canada or some other country be there for another 150 or 200 years, all the better, you see. So we all you gave in to it. But once they did it, uh, and I'll put this article up tonight too, put all these articles up tonight, once they did it, and got your goal along with it, and got all the money from governments to get go on with it, because they really funded all these big companies that are doing the fracking. And, and now, now America's starting to export its gas from the fracking to India. Is that for Americans to help? And if you, oh, no, <laughs> they're exporting it to India, folks. It's all a con. These companies and corporations are international. They have no loyalty to your country. But they take all the cash from your government that works very happily with them and gives them the cash. And here's this other article here too. It says, full throttle ahead, the U.S. tips the global power scales with fracking. The U.S. is sitting on massive natural gas and oil reserves that have the potential to shift the geopolitical balance in its favor, whereas are increasing in Russia and the Arab states of winning influence and falling market prices because the U.S. is exporting their stuff now. It says, Williston, North Dakota is a bleak little city in the vast American prairie, dusty in the summer, frigid in the winter. Elk hunting is one of the few sources of entertainment, but despite its drawbacks, Williston has seen its population more than double within a short period of time. And it goes on about how it's getting overcrowded already. All these people working in, moving in to work with the natural gas industry and the, the fracking industry, etc., etc. It's quite a good article, which I'll also put up tonight. But it says here, and one of them it says, we have a hundred years worth of energy right beneath our feet. But guess what, folks? It won't be for you that's paying for all. It's going to get exported. Getting exported to places like India. And then you're back to square, square one. You haven't got us any further forward than you were before. We're always conned, you understand? Always conned. Also, US uh, President Barack Obama is on a book. Taxes, I'll put this up tonight too. No doubt we need more taxes. Thank God they put a guy like that in, eh? Oh, we need taxes, we're broke. That's what you call genius. Real genius. Also, remember they set up an office that was charged with the project to shut down Guantanamo Bay. Well, they just closed down the office that was charged with shutting down Guantanamo Bay. (laughs) I'll put that up tonight too. 
And so the jail stays open, this torture facility stays open. I also touched on it uh, earlier in the week too, uh, the one-child policy enforcer in Russia, uh, and sorry, in China, that crushes the baby to death after the parents refuse to pay the fine that everybody else has took off for the story out the day after, as they generally do, and it's... Uh, it's got some some good press, but it's, it's a, a Chinese official from Wenzhou, China, crushed a 13-month-old baby boy to death by driving over him after the parents refused to pay a fine for violating China's one-child policy. And remember, the United Nations persistently and consistently state that that China is the model for the world to follow. I hope you get that, folks. So according to the AFP, a state official working to enforce China's one-child policy drove over the 13-month-old boy, resulting in the infant's death. This is the news items issued by Phuket's News and relates that the official had an argument with the parents as presumably they violated the one-child policy by refusing to pay a fine. The report goes on to say that the parents acted agitated in response to the official's request. And it says a spokesman stated that the, parents, that, that, that the murdered baby were agitated herself of a disagreement with the one-child policy enforcer, after which the official in question drove his car over the baby. And the Pukyet News reports that Wenzhou authorities were quick to label the murder as an unfortunate accident. Well, it's not much different from here, you know, because the cops can taser you to death, as they often do. They've done it to diabetics and comas and everything. They didn't even know what was happening. And that's okay to get off with that as well. So we can't really criticize, I guess, China, can we? We all accept it as normal now, don't we? Because we adapt. We're always adapting, don't we? We're awfully good at adapting. Quite amazing. And also, this article too, it's quite amazing. This came out on Wednesday, but uh, I can remember reading this before. I mean, it says, German Labour Office, that's the unemployment office, sends a teenage girl to work in a brothel. <laughs> no kidding. You think that things are getting hard, eh? As a German teenager looking for a job was told to report for duty in a brothel by the local labour office, the Augsburger uh, newspaper reported Wednesday. 19-year-old woman said she was horrified when she opened the job placement letter from the German labour office in Augsburg Saturday, informing her it lined up a waitressing job for her at the Augsburg Coliseum brothel. And so things are really, you know, moving ahead. Obviously, we're progressing, as they call it, at the top into this new nightmare, but it's certainly all here. Certainly all here. I'm not kidding you. Now, this article too is important because you see, we're lied to all the time by the mainstream. It's all owned by the Council on Foreign Relations. All the editors are members of it, and many of the journalists are too. And the Council on Foreign Relations, same bunch as the Royal Institute for International Affairs for America, um, they have their top reporters that that work in all the mainstream media and uh, outlets in the US and you can get lists up with the lists up of who they are before and so they lie to you constantly but it says here French troops have been called to protect one of Niger's biggest uranium mines as security fears spike analyst John Logland tells RT that France taking uh, the mil- is, is France taking the military lead in Mali and coming to the Niger might be a sign of a concordant-sized interest because they're trying to downplay it. Oh, it's just Mali, it's just Mali, etc., etc. So I'll put this link up tonight because here's, here's a good article here on it. It says, The real invasion of Africa is not news, and the license to lie is Hollywood's gift. Well, that's part of the 
Hollywood is a very important part of the whole structure of the ones who dominate the world. So a full-scale invasion of Africa is underway. The United States is deploying troops in 35 African countries, beginning with Libya, Sudan, Algeria and Niger. And it says, reported by the Associated Press Christmas Day, this was missing from most Anglo-American media. The invasion has also nothing to do with Islamism and almost everything to do with the acquisition of resources, notably minerals, in an accelerating rivalry with China. Unlike China, the U.S. and its allies are prepared to use a degree of violence demonstrated in Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, and Palestine. I remember reading years ago on the air an article from the Pentagon talking about the coming resource wars. I should try and find that again. Anyway, it says, or somebody in another talk show could do it tomorrow, maybe. As in the Cold War, a division of labor requires that Western journalism and popular culture provide the cover of a holy war against a menacing arc of Islamic extremism. No different from the bogus red menace of a worldwide communist conspiracy, which actually was kind of real. They're already running in America. Reminiscent of the scramble for Africa in the late 19th century, the U.S. African Command, called AFRICOM, has built a network of uh, supplicants amongst collaborative African regimes eager for American bribes and armaments. Last year, AFRICOM staged Operation African Endeavor with the armed forces of 34 African nations taking part, commanded by the U.S. military. AFRICOM's soldier-to-soldier doctrine embeds U.S. officers at every level of command, from general to warrant officer. Only the pith helmets are missing. It's as if Africa's proud history of liberation from Patrice Mumumba to Nelson Mandela, uh, Mandela is consigned to oblivion by a new master's black colonial elites whose historic mission warned Franz Fanon half a century ago is a promotion of a capitalism rampant through camouflaged, although camouflaged. Well, actually, there's more to it than all that because uh, initially, remember, the guys who made up uh, the Royal Institute of International Affairs Part of it was the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, who was in business with Lord Rothschild to take over Africa's wealth and industry, and they caused wars to get the British military in there, and then taxpayer put in the railway lines and all the rest of it, and, and paid for the military to be there, so that a couple of guys could get a hold of all the diamonds and gold in Africa. And then, of course, the, 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 the African National Congress was, was created by the so-called communist side, who also funded them through the same banks to, to attack and get rid of uh, Rhodesia. And, and the white South Africa. So, so, and again, the world would say, well, that's good, the Africans can run their own country. No. Uh, then they could simply put the black guys in uh, and, and lots of gangs and they could loot the country with even more uh, leeway, which is happening today. Getting back to this article, it says, a striking example is the Eastern Congo, a treasure trove of strategic minerals controlled by an atrocious rebel group known as M23, which in turn is run by Uganda and Rwanda, the proxies of Washington. Long planned as a mission for NATO, not to mention ever zealous French, whose colonial lost causes remain on permanent standby, the war in Africa became urgent in 2011 when the Arab world appeared to be liberating itself from the Mubaraks and other clients of Washington and Europe. The theory this caused an appeal of capitals cannot be exaggerated. NATO bombers were dispatched not to, to Tunis or Cairo, but Libya, where Muammar Gaddafi ruled over Africa's largest oil reserves. With the Libyan city of Sirte reduced to rubble, the British SAS directed the rebel militias in what has since been exposed as a racist bloodbath. 
the indigenous people of the Sahara, the Tuareg, whose Berber fighters Gaddafi had protected, fled home across Algeria to Mali, where the Tuareg had been claiming a separate state since the 1960s. As ever-watchful Patrick Coburn points out, it's this local dispute, not Al-Qaeda, that the West fears most in Northwest Africa. Uh, poor though the Tuareg may be, they are often living on top of the great reserves of oil, gas, uranium and other uh, valuable minerals. Almost certainly the consequences of a French US attack on Mali on the 13th of January, a siege at a gas complex in Algeria ended bloodily, inspiring a 9-11 moment in David Cameron. The former Carlton TV PR man uh, raged on about a global threat requiring decades of Western violence. And he did so, like perpetual war. He meant implementation, implementation of the West's business plan for Africa, together with the rape of multi-ethnic Syria and the conquest of independent Iran. Cameron has now ordered British troops to Mali and sent an RAF drone, while his verbose military chief, General Sir David Richards, has addressed a very clear message to jihadists worldwide, don't dangle and tangle with us. We will deal with it robustly, exactly what jihadists want to hear. The trail of blood of British Army terror victims, all Muslims, their systemic torture cases currently heading to court, add necessary irony to the General's words. I once experienced Sir David's robust ways when I asked him if he had read the courageous Afghan feminist Malali Joya's description of the barbaric behavior of Westerners and their clients in her country. You are an apologist for the Taliban, was his reply. He later apologized. These bleak comedians are straight out of Evelyn Waugh and allow us to feel the bracing breeze of history and hypocrisy. The Islamic terrorism that is their excuse for the enduring theft of Africa's riches was all but invented by them. There is no longer any excuse to swallow the BBC, CNN line and not know the truth. Read Mark Curtis's Secret Affairs, Britain's Collusion with Radical Islam, Serpent's Tale or John Cooley's Unholy Wars. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the Matrix and I'll take a caller that's been hanging on. It's Mike from Pennsylvania. Are you still there, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah yeah, I just wanted to, I'm getting a, an order out you in the mail, and hopefully other people can do as well. Um, yeah, it's not a good situation here. Um, this, uh, this week, this is, this all happened this week in, in America, mm-hmm. uh, Pennsylvania here. Um, this, this, tonight there was a big massive, uh, helicopter drone, uh, blowing your ears out while you're out collecting some fuel. Um, and then today I was going down to a meeting down in through Amish country there, the Lancaster, mm-hmm. and, and the roads are blocked off about for five miles uh, on each side on the major highway. It used to be a real peaceful drive down there. I used to go to drive to North Carolina years ago taking that same route. And and I guess they're prepping them up for uh, Viper units, I, I, I suppose. Uh, because leading into the next part, uh, I was in the IRS building because they, they, they refused to mail forms out, and, and I don't feel like wasting all my ink on the printer. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a booklet, and uh, now last year they had a security guard there. This is the IRS building. Yeah. You know, the, 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 I guess customer service, you know. 
That's and right. so not only do they have a, a security guard there, now he's asking me that the room was full. He's asking me if, if I have a gun or anything on me. Yeah. And I guess next year when you go there, they're going to be patting people down, and I guess the year after that they're going to have X-ray machines in there. Yes, and I think I think the IRS now have their own private army too now, uh, and a lot of their, their members are playing clothes uh, and they carry uh, firearms too. Yeah. Yeah, and, and but, you know, what you're, what I mean, my seeing... ancestors taught me. I mean, these onion faces like Maurice Strong. Mm-hmm. There's no law that says these legislators or these enforcers have to listen to anything he says. Yeah. And, you know, my ancestors taught me pe- all these people that are going along and doing all these acts of evil, they're not getting reincarnated. They're not going to France. They're going to hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem is they're bringing their, he- their hell, which is, uh, they-, they call heaven as hell for everybody else, onto earth, and that's what they're doing right now. And they know there's going to be trouble in the future because they really mean they're going to bring America down to massive austerity, which is poverty. And there's going to be a lot of trouble within the U.S., and they know it. And they've been building up their internal army for almost 30 years to deal with it. Uh, everything's planned way, way, way ahead, many years ahead, for what they plan to bring in. And now is the time to, to do it. They know it's going to be big, big trouble inside the U.S., and they're completely prepared for it. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing is, is that, speaking of Onion Face, Maury Strong in their uh, Agenda 21, not only all that fracking up there and the horizontal fracking up in the northern yeah. here of Pennsylvania, the people are dying of cancer. Yeah. Uh, their wells are, are completely obliterated. They, these Chesapeake Energy and these big companies have to bring in water, I'm sure, with fluoride. Mm-hmm. Uh, big tanks of it every day. Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, years ago they used to just do the vertical fracking. Mm-hmm. And bad enough with all the chemicals, and now they do the, do the horizontal. And it, it just, it's, I mean, places like Pennsylvania Grand Canyon up there, mm-hmm. I mean, it probably wrecked by now. I haven't been up there in a while. Yeah, and, and all through New York State as well, that they're doing it. Uh, and you understand they're going to wring America out like a sponge. And then they all move offshore to live. And a lot of them have already moved offshore to live, the ones who are behind it all, and run big corporations. And I really mean that, folks. That's the plan. And America will be all subsiding forever for another thousand years after it's been wrung dry of everything. But thanks for calling. Yeah, it's time to get the hell out of here. Yeah. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, is good night. It's mean your God or your gods go with you.